Welcome to the Kotki Ride Home for Thursday, August 5th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, as the tides trend toward requiring vaccinations for entry in more places, what is the landscape of apps and methods to verify vaccination status? Plus, meatball-scented candles from Ikea and two very different commercial spaceflight updates. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. So Jason shared a quick link over on Kotki.org yesterday that really got me thinking. It's a piece in The Atlantic by Juliet Kayyem, a former assistant secretary for Homeland Security during the Obama administration, basically arguing that the U.S. federal government should make it a requirement for people to be vaccinated in order to travel on airplanes. Now, while she cops that most airplanes filtration systems make transmission on the plane itself fairly rare, the bigger concern, she says, is transmission in airports and then wherever people are traveling to, pointing out that the whole reason for international travel bans is to reduce spread, so isn't our huge country with disparate state governments at similar risk? And according to a recent New York Times and Kaiser Family Foundation poll that she shared, 41% of people who said they were waiting to see about getting a vaccine would get one if they had to do so to travel. Even 11% of respondents who were entirely opposed to getting the vaccine said they'd be swayed by a travel ban. Quoting Kayyem, The public debate about making vaccination a precondition for travel, employment, and other activities has described this approach as vaccine mandates, a term that, to critics, suggests that unvaccinated people are being ordered around arbitrarily. What is actually going on, mostly, is that institutions are shifting burdens to unvaccinated people, denying them access to certain spaces, requiring them to take regular COVID-19 tests, charging them for the cost of that testing, rather than imposing greater burdens on everyone. Americans still have a choice to go unvaccinated, but that means giving up on certain societal benefits. Nobody has a constitutional right to attend The Lion King on Broadway or work at Disney or Walmart. Employers and entertainment venues are realizing that they can operate more easily without the hassle of planning around unvaccinated employees and customers. Amid a global health crisis, people who defy public health guidance are not and do not deserve to be a protected class. End quote. There does certainly seem to be a shifting tide towards this line of thinking. New York City announced this week that it will be requiring people to be vaccinated if they want to dine indoors or attend indoor entertainment or fitness activities. Notably, as far as it seems right now, there's no vaccine or recent negative test option like some places and businesses have enacted. In New York City, come September 13th, you have to show proof of having received at least one dose of a vaccine or you won't be allowed in. But the issue that's coming up with restrictions like these is how to reliably, conveniently, accurately, and safely prove vaccine status. Kayyem briefly touches on this in her Atlantic piece, saying, quote, The current reliance on paper vaccination cards makes for a clumsy system, but better public and private sector systems are likely to emerge if employers, entertainment venues, and the TSA all seek to verify individuals' status. Some people may try to lie and cheat their way around a TSA requirement, but violating federal aviation safety measures is generally a crime. End quote. Unfortunately, there is already an app for that. 
IBM's Digital Health Pass was just adopted by Amadeus, a reservation system used by almost 500 airlines around the world, though not by most major U.S. airlines. Use of the IBM Digital Health Pass through Amadeus has been available to all of those airlines since the last week of July. Other airlines like JetBlue, Virgin Atlantic, and United are using another app called Common Pass, which was developed by the World Economic Forum. Now, hopefully, just one or two apps will win out, though, because having so many different ones is part of the problem. Quartz describes a situation in the UK earlier this spring when travelers waited up to six hours to have their status checked. People were presenting a myriad of apps and paper vaccine cards, many in different languages and with all different types of formats, and presenting them for various reasons based on where they were traveling to or from. With IBM's Digital Health Pass, as Quartz describes it, quote, Instead of presenting paper-based certifications, travelers need only scan a QR code sent by email at the gate. Travelers without smartphones can print a QR code. The back-end technology authenticates credentials against requirements of each country, relieving from agents an onerous burden, given how frequently countries change travel restrictions as the pandemic evolves. End quote. And that kind of streamlined organization sounds amazing, and is something Quartz points out that we don't always get right right away when major changes happen in the world. Quoting again, Border agents faced a similar problem after World War I, when European borders opened to tourists. The great diversity in passports from various nations produced delays in train stations to such extremes it was considered a threat to the economic recovery of the world. In 1920, 42 members of the League of Nations decided on the standard layout of passports that we still follow for the most part today, end quote. So maybe this IBM digital health pass will create the backbone of a digital system that we use for years to come, too. Greg Land, IBM's travel and transportation expert, thinks this could be a turning point and set the stage for a complete digitization of passports and other travel credentials. We'll see, but as far as IBM's health pass goes, it does sound like basically the best one on the market so far when it comes to authenticity and privacy. Quartz describes it as, quote, using blockchain encryption technology, eliminating the need to collect and store personal data. This allows users to manage what information they want to share through their smartphones. All border agents see is a prompt for whether a traveler is cleared for travel or not, end quote. And in addition to being folded into the Amadeus reservation system, it's also being used for the New York State Excelsior Pass, which, side note, I actually got to use for the first time last night. I showed it as proof of vaccination to a security guard at the venue I was performing at because the venue required all people be vaccinated or present a recent negative test. Now, the pass has a QR code that could be scanned, I guess, but no one scanned it. The guard just kind of gave it a glance and said I was good to go, which does make me wonder how easy easy it would be to fake various types of passes, even ones that are pretty solid. And since the Excelsior Pass cross-checks with state vaccination records, it's better than some of the apps out there that are just glorified camera apps and basically just prompt you to take a photo of your physical vaccine card or anything else, like the New York City's COVID-safe app. But Albert Fox Kahn, the executive director of the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, told NBC News that he was able to hack the Excelsior Pass in 11 minutes by entering someone else's name and getting enough of their other details off of Google to sign up for the app as them. 
Still, that's better than NYC's COVID-safe app, which is just designed to store a photo of your vaccine card or COVID test results, not actually verify them, the onus there lying on folks like the security guard at the venue I went to last night. And Khan was able to save a photo of Mickey Mouse as his vaccine card in the NYC COVID-safe app, and NBC News saved a photo of a menu from a San Francisco restaurant as proof of vaccination. So, good on the privacy front, I suppose, since it's only storing photos you upload locally to your phone, but not so good on the authenticity side of things. And while Greg Land from IBM might think positively about a future with all digital documentation, Ali Baum, a privacy lawyer with the New York Civil Liberties Union, is worried about that kind of expansion. She compared it to driver's licenses, something originally designed for one specific function that have now become ubiquitous and critical facets of life. What other details could get added to these apps that we eventually don't question, but kind of represent a breach of privacy or penalize people unable to acquire them? And Khan reminds NBC News, 16% of U.S. households don't have smartphones, a stat disproportionately affecting BIPOC households. So we can't make app-based documentation the only option. And that's one reason I like the IBM Digital Health Pass combined with the Amadeus Reservation System. It emails you the QR code you need to show at the airport, but you're able to print it out if you don't have or don't want to use a smartphone. Ultimately, the more accurate we get, the more we toe the line of privacy. While many privacy experts are sounding the alarm about potential ramifications and pushing for as much forethought as possible, a lot of them are also reluctantly realistic about the situation. Quoting once more from NBC News, Yes, I'm worried about potential privacy abuses, said Jill Bronfman, privacy counsel at Common Sense, but if it's balanced against a life-or-death situation, I think we don't count privacy as strongly in this situation. If we can save some lives by encouraging people to be vaccinated before they go into a theater or work or whatever, I think we may be sacrificing a little bit of privacy for this. I think that's just what's going to happen. End quote. Well, after all that COVID news, here's a bit of a palate cleanser. IKEA has been coming out with some pretty cool things lately. Yesterday, I saw they announced some new designs for their Starkvind air purifier, two of which are camouflaged to look just like ordinary side tables. I am a big fan of these. Like, air purifiers are awesome, but even the best designed ones take up a bunch of space and don't look that great. But doubling as a side table is genius. And in another genius move, well, maybe genius, maybe not, depends who you ask, IKEA have also just come out with a Swedish meatball-scented candle. Reminiscent of McDonald's set of six quarter-pounder ingredient-scented candles they released to fans last year, the Hoovedral meatball-scented candle is probably a much better joke than an actual product, but if you love grabbing some of their famous meatballs after you shop for sofas and flatware, now you can capture that feeling in wax and enjoy it whenever you want. If you enter their sweepstakes, celebrating the 10th anniversary of their loyalty program, that is, because as I've said before, no cool products can ever just be sold anymore. They have to be in sweepstakes where companies can acquire your data, convince you to join a loyalty program or download an app or make you follow and post about them. 
But if you're already in or want to join their IKEA family member program, then look out starting tomorrow, August 6th, when they'll be sharing how you can enter to win an IKEA in a box package, which will include the Hooverdraw meatball scented candle and other items meant to create an immersive sensory experience of being at an IKEA, though the company reps aren't yet telling what else is included in that box. And, you know, fair enough, because I don't know what else would make headlines as much as the meatball-scented candle. As Food & Wine put it, quote, There's no better way to get your family's hopes up than to welcome them home with the smell of delicious meatballs they can't eat. End quote. Food & Wine also had a little bit of interesting history on the store's meatballs, which I appreciated because, as much as I have enjoyed the meatballs and lingonberries at various IKEA stores in the past, I do sometimes stop and think, like, why does this furniture store have a restaurant? I mean, I know malls have food courts and Costco's have dining areas, so it's not totally unprecedented, but, like, it is a little odd, right? Per Food and Wine, quote, In 1956, IKEA founder Ingvar Kamprad opened a restaurant in the first IKEA store in Elmholt, a town on Sweden's southern tip. According to the company, Kamprad believed that it was difficult to do business with someone on an empty stomach. It took another three-ish decades before IKEA introduced its most iconic menu item, those Hooverdrill meatballs. We sell more meatballs than any other IKEA product in the range, Michael LaCour, the managing director of IKEA Food Services, once said. End quote. So you have founder Ingvar Kamprad's creative ideas about sales and business to thank for the delicious meatballs, mashed potatoes, and lingonberries you can fill up on before you go home and fight with an Allen wrench for six hours. And if there's no IKEA near you but you still want in on the fun, Mental Floss pointed out that IKEA did actually share the recipe for their meatballs and cream sauce on Twitter last year, illustrated just like one of their trusty instructional guides, so good luck with that. Whether you want to make them yourself at home or just sniff their delicious odors, IKEA apparently has you covered. Well, in case you missed it, the Boeing CST-100 Starliner still didn't go up yesterday. The second orbital test flight that was essentially a redo of a 2019 attempt was originally scheduled for last week, and then for Tuesday, and then for yesterday, and now NASA says they and Boeing, quote, are continuing to work through steps to determine what caused the unexpected valve position indications on the CST-100 Starliner propulsion system. The United Launch Alliance Atlas V, with the Starliner spacecraft on top will be returned to its vertical integration facility, end quote. So basically, they're scrapping the idea of a launch until they really get it all worked out, which is definitely smart, but just another installment in the saga of Boeing's failure to launch. In other commercial spaceflight news, SpaceX has posted a job listing for a spaceport mixologist at their launch site in Boca Chica, Texas. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately in the grand scheme of things, this position is not for an in-flight mixologist like in space, as I first thought when I saw the headlines, but rather an Earthside gig. The Verge says the position will probably be based at SpaceX's Tiki Bar near their launch site, although there's also a 360-view bar in one of the rocket building towers dubbed High Bar that this mixologist could oversee as well. 
So far, the two bars and assorted other food establishments that SpaceX has developed in Boca Chica are mostly for employees and guests only, but Elon Musk said that they're interested in opening them to the public once they can do so safely with regards to COVID. So if you want to move to a small Texas town and sling space-themed cocktails for billionaires, which, like, not gonna lie, I know several mixologists who would probably be down, here's your chance. But that is it from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.